I just happened to run into a guy that didn't look like anybody, just looked maybe like he was the janitor, and struck up a conversation, told him what I was doing. 15 minutes later, I realized he's the CEO of the company, and he has a problem, and it's this tool problem that they have, and they have broken tools, and I happen to sell tools. And so I walk out of there about two hours later at six o'clock in the evening. Um, I got the biggest tool order in my career, and uh, it was basically a, a cold call. Welcome to Trial to Triumph, hosted by Caleb Johnson. The show about leaning into life's constant testing on your way to realizing your biggest blessings. How's it going, everyone? My name is Caleb Johnson, host of From Trial to Triumph. Today, I'm with a very special guest, Mr. Mike Angelo. He was laid off from his W-2 job several years ago and now has over $70 million under management. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Caleb, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. And, uh, yeah, excited to share a little bit about my uh, my experience so far. Yeah, I'm excited to hear it. I've already heard it um, and I'm familiar with it, but really excited to uh, share it with everyone listening. So can you give our listeners just a quick background about you and uh, just where you started and where you come from? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in the real estate space now for about two and a half years. Really January of 2020 is when I jumped into this full time. Prior to that, uh, a culmination of about 20 years of commercial sales experience. So calling on B2B, as we say, uh, professional businesses uh, in the construction supply space. So contractors, architects, engineers, uh, and so from a sales guy all the way to like a VP role where I was overseeing about $100 million worth of uh, territory and businesses. And uh, it taught me a ton. I learned a lot from that 20 years and it really helped me jump into this role. So um, I can go into more detail if you'd like on any of that stuff. Yeah. So it sounded like so you were in that industry for 20 plus years and then now you're in multifamily. So yeah. how, how did that shift happen? Well, really, um, the big piece was the last two years of that W-2 world, I was, you know, I had an, an incredible uh, position. It was a vice president of sales for a large corporation, and I was just working myself literally to death. Uh, and I might have shared this with you before, but uh, I was actually having chest pains, and I'm, I'm in my mid-40s, so uh, not a good thing. So I did the cardiologist thing and the whole testing, and I was totally fine, but the, the cardiologist said, I can put you on pills because you got high blood pressure and some, some issues there, or you tell me about your job. So I told him about my job and he said, you have too much stress in your life. You should change jobs. And that was the best prescription I think, um, anyone has ever given me. And that was probably about six months before I left that world. And so it really forced me to think about what else could I do to earn this income? Cause I have a mortgage, I have a family to support. And so I started looking at alternative businesses or other things I could do that wasn't a corporate role. And I happened to stumble across a couple of podcasts on real estate, specifically multifamily real estate. Didn't even know that you and I could buy apartments together. And uh, and it was just a foreign concept. So for six months, I just plowed into podcasts and came home and told my wife about what I was listening to. And she still gives me that funny look um, of what are you talking about? But uh, but yeah, that was that's what really started the the fuel of need to find a way to exit. And when I do exit, I know what I want to do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Can, so you being in that industry for 20 plus years, right? You're a sales guy, you're good with people. What is the most important thing that you've taken away from all of that? Uh, There's probably a few, but I would say number one is that ability to connect with people and focusing on 
you know, what they're all about because this, any, any business you're in, the relationship is everything. And people say it's own real estate's relationships and any business it's really relationships. And so, um, the, the biggest, uh, thing I got from, um, one of the companies I was with for almost 14 years was developing that skill set, And it didn't necessarily come naturally. It feels very natural now, but it was a lot of repetition, a lot of, you know, messing up and going in front of customers and, and making, you know, a fool of myself. But, uh, you learn how to ask questions and really feel like, you're connecting with someone, but also achieving whatever it is your business objective was uh, in a very non kind of formal way. And uh, that muscle memory turned into, you know, 20 years of just being able to go talk to anybody. And, and I love doing it. And especially in this space, because I love what we're doing. And uh, yeah, that, that was probably the biggest takeaway is the ability to try to connect with people and find out what's important to them and find a way to have a connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And recently, you and I just got back from a trip uh, from uh, Texas, I forgot what the trip was, but I watched you approach this guy and we were just standing next to him and you struck up a conversation and he's, uh, you noticed the emblem on his shirt about real estate and got his card and there might be a business venture in that. And I was like, man, I'm watching some magic happen right in front of me, but can you, so I want to touch a little bit more on that and dive, dive a little bit deeper. Can you, maybe share a couple of habits that that you leverage to uh, do that well? So I would also think it's part of my training. So again, I had I was the benefactor of 14 years of, of like hardcore professional sales training. And this is not the door-to-door kind of stuff. This is like, hey, we're going to go meet a VP of sales and this is how you connect with them. And so it was one of the things I remember, always remember is you're sitting at a desk in front of a customer's office He's across from you. Look around. Is there a photo of their family? Is there something that you can connect to that is not business related? And so my eyes are always open anywhere and everywhere I go as much as possible. And so I'm trying to be aware of my space and who's in it. And so at the airport, it was just, yeah, he had a property management shirt company on. I recognized the name and I just wanted to ask him, you know, what he's doing and where he was at. And so, yeah, definitely maybe an opportunity to, to snag him or, or work with them. Right. But, uh, that wasn't even the goal. It was just to connect. And, and I think, again, the, in the spaces that we're in, there's not a lot of people. And so being able to connect with more people, you just never know what, what it could lead to. So I always try to think about what it, what could it lead to. Um, and so, yeah, he's a really nice guy. But uh, I think always paying attention to opportunities. You know, maybe it's a shirt. Maybe it's something they said. Uh, maybe it's like the picture behind me, you know, of my kids or my karate belts or something. You could go, hey, you do karate or, you know, whatever example it is. And that could totally take the conversation a different way. But if I'm if I'm your client, it lowers my barrier because now Caleb is interested in talking to me about me. And I think that's a big takeaway is, you know, we do business with each other, not because you're in real estate and I'm in real estate because I like you and I trust you and I've gotten to know you. Right. Right. I think that reading a book from Zig Ziglar, he points uh, points that out as well. And I, th- I, I think you do that very well. So okay. you t- you told me a story that really impacted me about the power of one more. And I think it would really, really benefit our listeners to, if you just share that with us. Yeah. This is that one more sales call. Is that the one I'm talking talking about? Yeah. So real quick, uh, in my prior life, again, fantastic sales training. My boss was always like, Hey, make one more sales call at the end of the day. And, And we had a target. It was like 10 calls a day. So we had to make, and this was like, uh, I forget, it was the summer afternoon. It was like four o'clock. Nobody was around on a Friday evening. And I'm like, I'm just going to go home. And I drove by this office building that I've been meaning to get into. And I just 
always ran out of time or excuses, whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to do it today. So I walk in, it's a big empty building. It's a kitchen manufacturer, kitchen cabinet manufacturer, and uh, happened to poke myself in and I brought a tool with me and I just happened to run into a guy that didn't look like anybody, just looked maybe like he was the janitor and struck up a conversation, told him what I was doing. 15 minutes later, I realized he's the CEO of the company and he has a problem and it's this tool problem that they have and they have broken tools and I happen to sell tools. And so I walk out of there about two hours later at six o'clock in the evening. Um, I got the biggest tool order in my career and uh, it was basically a, a cold call, right? And it really triggered the idea that, man, if I didn't do that, I just went home, I would have had a great day. But this changed the trajectory of that account and also, you know, directed my, my business, my income, all of those things because I did that one extra thing. So mm-hmm. make that extra call. Yeah. yeah. That's great. How has that translated into real estate? I would say it, it kind of, it's a risk component. So it's, you got to take a little bit of a leap of faith sometimes, and it's going one extra level every day that you can. And this, this game, you know, it's two and a half years in, and uh, we have some nice things to talk about now, but the first year and a half was a kick in the pants, right? It was, it was a, a thousand no's and one yes. And so you have to be able to, I think you created some resiliency to say, hey, this is going to be the long road and it's not going to be easy. And if you're going to try to succeed, uh, one, have great people around you because you can't do it without, with other people. But if you're going to drive the ship, you better be able to, to continue on and to do one more thing every day. Um, it also makes it kind of digestible if you think about it, right? If you, if you have a daily plan, because sometimes I think you ever heard the term boil the ocean, you're trying to do everything. And if you just have a list of things to do and you knock all those out, well, what's one more thing I can take off tomorrow's plate today? Because um, too many of us, for all kinds of personal reasons, we put stuff off till tomorrow. Well, one, you may not get tomorrow. It's not guaranteed. And and that might change the course of that that activity. So I think doing one more thing every day is a, is a critical piece to the business today. And um, I try not to put anything off if I can. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're always, you talk about waking up at 4.30 in the morning and you're texting me at 10 o'clock at night on some some deals. So I can definitely see that. And I've never, what you said a second ago, really, actually, I've never heard before. And that was taking something off of tomorrow's plate that, uh, but doing it today. So I think that's, that's such a great takeaway is again looking for opportunities just to take off one more thing maybe make one more call if that's on the broker side or whatever that is just um go above and beyond because a lot of people aren't doing that and you can actually really stand out whenever you are actually uh, nurturing those relationships that you're working so hard to to get right yeah and you know we don't do anything um extraordinary but we do a little extra right is kind of i don't know if there's a there's a cheesy term out there right that's the only difference between ordinary and extraordinary is the extra but uh it is it's really just i'm just going to outwork everybody right i may not be smarter uh may not have more resources but i can outwork you and and so i think that goes a long way and and you know they always say like 90 percent of anything is showing up so if i can show up and and you know put my all effort in um there's a good chance that we can succeed mm-hmm Mm-hmm. What was, I know during the first, when I first met you, you were still working on your first property and now having several under your belt. What was, I believe it took you several months, maybe over a year to even get that first one done. So what, 
what were some learning lessons through all of that that um, that made you who you are today? So uh, the first deal, so surprisingly enough, I actually got my first LOI accepted at like month four, right? So four months in, I was super excited, got it done. That was also April of uh, 2020. So everybody knows what happened then. And uh, my sponsor freaked out. And so I actually had to cancel my accepted LOI. And so for four months in after knowing nothing about real estate, doing the education platform, learning something, and I got something that was very tangible that I could go deliver on. I was ecstatic. And then I, my team fell apart. And so I had to back out of that deal because I didn't have anybody else. And then it took another three months to get the next one. And so, and then that one fell through. And so it took us a long time to get the first LOI. I think it was about nine months to get the first one in. We had other little wins along the way, but those turned into, you know, just didn't turn into anything. And so going back to resiliency, just got to keep going, got to keep going. And once we got the first one, it was great. And then now what do we do? And it took us quite a few months to close it because we were new. We had to learn. We had a very patient broker, uh, but we did it all ourselves. Like we found a sponsor that was willing to you know, take a risk on us, which is to sign on the note, all that kind of good stuff. But then my partner and I raised the money. We put it all together. So we found the friends and family, did all the due diligence, did all of that stuff, found the property management company. And it was such a great experience that I was like, oh, the rest of these will be fairly easy once we get better at a few things. And uh, th that hasn't been true. Uh, that was just a really great transaction, but it, uh, it was a lot of lessons learned kind of up until that point. Okay. And how long did it actually take you to, to get to that point to closing it? Uh, so we got it. We originally had it accepted. Then we just said, forget it. So a total of four months to actually close the deal, but two months prior to that. So you could say six months to, from accepted LOI to close, but only because we kind of shifted gears and went to another property that didn't end up working out. Because uh, at the time, I thought I could only buy one property at a time, and uh, that was probably wise in itself, but we would have loved to have gotten that one done, and uh, we had another one that we had an approved, you know, an accepted LOI on as well, and uh, kind of shifted gears. So the first property was, by honestly, it was a bit of an accident. It wasn't a market I was super interested in. Um, it was just a broker I was happy to call, and he happened to have his property. I was like, ah, I'll just entertain it. And just to get, build a relationship, and it ended up being a fantastic property. We had underwrote well. It was, uh, but it was not the big hundred plus unit property that I was really trying to target. It was a little sixty unit, but it is fantastic. So mm -hmm. No regrets. Mm -hmm. But so from starting and starting pursuing real estate to begin with, that was it. That wasn't six months, was it? That was much longer. No. So from from like knowing nothing about real estate to getting our first deal done. Yeah, from closing it. Yeah, it took 18 months. Okay, okay. So from zero, which is January 2020, to May of 2021. So a year and five months, right? Uh, right. 19 months, almost 17 months, yeah. Okay, okay. And was that market, you said it wasn't, you weren't really excited about that market? Was, mm -hmm. I guess, where did you start? And then kind of what made you uh, expand your uh, your markets? So I knew the the state, this was New Mexico, the state of New Mexico, because I was traveling there for my prior life. So I had gone through those cities, but I had, you know, the main market, which is Albuquerque on my, on my radar. And I'm like, we're going to get something in Albuquerque. The property we found was in Las Cruces, about three hours south. Knew it, been there, just wasn't on the radar. But I was like, hey, it's big enough to, to it meets all the metrics, but really wasn't interested in uh, just finding something online, right? Just an on-market deal. My goal to reach out to that broker was just to build a relationship with them to eventually find something that was going to be attractive. 
Um, and this one was just getting pre-marketed. So that's what kind of drove it. It's like, hey, this is actually a pretty good deal. Let's go back and let's count our blessings because, you know, Albuquerque is really, really competitive and we're not winning there. Let's take a look at this and does it make sense? And it sure did. Okay. I wanted to kind of yeah. talk about the Arizona market because I know a mm -hmm. little bit about your backstory that you've per in the beginning, you pursued a handful of properties there and that didn't pencil as well. Uh, it, well, it might've yeah. penciled, but it just didn't happen. So can you talk about what the reason was that that just didn't happen? Sure. Uh, very, so I spent, um, the first year just really going after Arizona properties, uh, being here in Arizona, almost 800 deals reviewed. Um, I think I submitted over a couple hundred offers and then I won zero of them, uh, in the state of Arizona. And for, I think many reasons, some internal, uh, being that I was a new person, less known by the brokers, not known at all by the brokers. Uh, we had to leverage our team to be able to show that we could perform, but also very, very competitive. And, uh, you know, everybody from the entire country was coming in here, plus the operators that existed already. Um, so it just made it really tough to compete and that's okay, you know, but it was just, we realized fairly quickly, if we're going to succeed in this business, maybe we shift gears and try something different and same space, but just in a different market. And so we went out you know, outside the market and our coaches were like, there's nothing wrong with shopping outside of your market. As long as it, you have a, a team and a structure in place, you can succeed. People do it all the time. Mm -hmm. And I want to just say, reiterate something that you said earlier to our listeners that you underwrote 800 plus deals, submitted LOIs on a hundred and got zero, but that's not a loss at all. That is a huge, I mean, the knowledge that you got, I'm sure you can know, every block, right? In, in this market or very close to, you're just very experienced now on that side of things. And also on the underwriting side, the knowledge that and experience that you gain from that isn't a loss at all. That is uh, a sharpening your tools. So then when you did go to those markets, and like you said, you did go to Las Cruces or Albuquerque, that that sword was sharpened. So now that when the, when it did turn out that there was a deal, you, you knew that you were going to move on it. Absolutely. So I, no regrets. It was just a painful process, but, uh, I think it's, it builds a muscle, right? A muscle that I think everyone, if you're in the space, have some exposure to that. It's important. Uh, I, I would say my batting average was pretty terrible, but that's okay. Right. It was, uh, to your point, it sharpened, it sharpened a pencil in a different space. And, uh, I can analyze deals much faster now because of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, I think we'll start wrapping things up here, but I want to ask you just three questions before we depart. The first being, if you can recommend to our listeners one book that they should read, what would that be? Uh, I love reading, so the great option. Uh, this is the one that my boss made me read a while back, and it was this was like in my two prior careers. It's called Juggling Elephants. Um, really good book and really about kind of, we all say we multitask. So Jones Laughlin is the author juggling elephants. Uh, just kind of an analogy on trying to take on too many things and, and not prioritizing. And so this, this hit me because, uh, my family was at risk when I was working 80 hours and, and impacting myself, I wasn't spending time with family. So while shifting gears into this business, that was my primary why was to focus on family and have that time, right? Cause I'm buying time. And, uh, and that one really hit home. Yeah. I've actually never read that book or heard of it, but I'm really glad that you shared that because that's something that I haven't heard on the show yet. And it's something that is so important 
because the ultimate reason that we're in this business for some, for a lot of people is family, right? Time, especially time. So, and, and when you spend so much time at work, you sometimes you can just get caught up in the day to day and you don't realize what the reason is that you're doing what you're doing is. And I think that's so good that you, that you recommended that. That's great. Absolutely. Where can people learn more about you? Uh, I would start with our website. So it's nimblecapitalgroup.com. So www.nimblecapitalgroup.com. Uh, our bio's on there. You can schedule a call with me. I'd love to touch base. I'm also on LinkedIn. And uh, just look up my name. And uh, yeah. Okay. And if you can share one piece of evidence or one takeaway from today, you know, a key piece of wisdom for Mike Angelo to our listeners, what would that be? Um, I would say be comfortable getting uncomfortable. And, and so you're going to do something new. I went from, you know, left field all the way to the other side. I had no business in real estate two and a half years ago. And now I can probably say, I, I do know a little bit about it, but I had to take risk. So taking a leap is scary. Um, but if you do your homework and you surround yourself with people that know it, it makes that, makes that step out very, um, reasonable. It doesn't mean it's not scary, but it, you got to push yourself. Uh, if you want what you want, you got to get out there and go get it. And so a lot of people just don't want to take the move because it seems like you're moving too much. And um, I would say take a, take a chance, study it, learn it. It's not as scary as it, uh, as it seems. Mm, that's good. That's really good. Well, Mike, really appreciate your time, brother, to be on the show. And uh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a blast. Yeah. Everyone, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. It's time to grab your victory. Find us on the web at redseacapitalgroup.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Red Sea Capital Group.